I have to say that's the most handsome man that's introduced me ever. <clears throat> Sorry, I lied. <laughs> just kidding. So, as, as Casey so eloquently said, we're going to start talking about prayer. Lots of different kinds of prayer, just like he said. Lots of different ones. Probably lots of different prayers that you've prayed, 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 prayed over your life. Today we're going to talk about one that is strange. But when we start talking about it, I think we're all going to realize it's not so strange. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. We're going to talk about Jacob. Uh, these two Jacobs that we have here are great. I like these guys, Jacobs and Jacob back there. This Jacob that we're going to talk about is a tool, okay? <laughs> he's kind of a jerk, creep, but he's in the Bible, so that's, uh, that's hope for us. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Jacob and a certain wrestling match he had. So if you have your Bibles, you turn to Genesis chapter 32. If you have your phones, you can flip to that as well. Genesis 32. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. The man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Are you jealous of Jacob a little bit? Have you ever just wanted to throw the gloves off and say, let's go, God. Let's go a few rounds. What you got? I have. Maybe you found yourself in a yelling match with God. God, why? Why is this happening? Or maybe you need rescue, like Jacob here. God, save me. What are you doing? Just don't sit there on your throne. Help me. Have you prayed those prayers before? Have you let, let off your guard? Have you let down your guard and just say, let's go, God. Let's fight this out. I bet most of you have. And if not, I bet you really want to. Because we've all gone through something in our lives, some things probably more than once, that have put us in that position. Whether we're angry with God, we're questioning God, we don't understand why things are happening. And in the, in the midst of, of this series, uh, Casey's going to talk about another struggle with God, Habakkuk. And now it's very interesting, and what I found the difference between Habakkuk and Jacob is that we have two different positions that put us in this kind of wrestling match with God. There's two different things. They're both circumstantial. But one, like Habakkuk's case, is purely circumstantial. He is just a product of his environment. Yes, of course, sin is the problem with everything. But it's nothing that Habakkuk did that put him in that position. It was a position of consequences something like maybe a family member gets sick or an accident happens and you lose a loved one or you get sick or 
financial hardship that hits you or you're fired from a job you don't understand, something like that where it's sort of out of your hands. That's Habakkuk's story, and Casey will talk about that a little bit more. Jacob, on the other hand, is different because Jacob has gotten himself into this mess. You ever found yourself there? Like, I remember, like, I, I should have looked this up, but I don't really know if quicksand is really a thing. But you've seen it in movies, right? And you know, what do they say? In, I'm thinking of Princess Bride, right? What do they say in the movies is you never struggle to get out of quicksand because it just makes it worse, right? You're supposed to stay still and apparently just sink slowly. I don't know. Again, I, but you know the imagery. It's like you can't wiggle around because you're just going to make it worse. How many of you have found yourself in a position where you have tried and tried and tried to get out of it yourself to no avail? And you only find yourself deeper and deeper in the hole. I've been there. Still there. Certain things. Clawing. Jacob lived his life fighting, cheating, stealing, and lying his way to get whatever he wanted. You probably are well aware of some of the stories of Jacob. Jacob and Esau. Jacob's name means heel grabber. And that's because when he was born with his twin brother Esau, the hairy guy, probably heard of him. This legend says that he was holding, grasping the heel of his brother, trying to get an advantage. Right? Trying to, hey, I'm, I'm going out first. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. And I don't want to know. But... <laughs> And then so they named him heel grabber, or it also means supplanter, and I have no idea what that means, so I looked in the dictionary, and it says one who supplants, so there you go. Anyway, he's a cheater, okay? That's the point. That's really what, what it means. And his entire life to this point, this night, has been an example of that. We know the birthright issue, right? You know the little soup thing, Jacob's cooking some stew because he's a Food Network kind of guy, so he's cooking some stew. His brother Esau comes in from the hunt. He's like, dude, I am starving. And Jacob's like, here, some stew. Sweet, can I have some? Uh, just a second. I'm just going to need you to sign off that little thing called a birthright. Whoa. <laughs> and Esau's like, what do I care? I'm going to die, which is probably a little exaggerated, you know. But he's like, what do I care? So he signs off on it, and he loses his birthright. So Jacob gains it from dishonest means. A little bit later, Jacob is a mama's boy. His mama helps him, again, trick their father, Isaac, into giving him the blessing. So not only does Jacob have the birthright from Esau, he stole the blessing, which is important to that, to that day. That means not only did Jacob have the majority of the possessions and the stuff or the right to him, he also had the father's blessing, which was a huge deal. And what happened is after that, Esau finds out, Esau comes in after Jacob, and Esau's like, what? It's gone? And Isaac says, I, there's nothing I can do about it. I've already given the blessing to Jacob. So it says Esau was furious, and he was ready to kill him. Now, Mama heard, heard wind of that. Mama, Re uh, Rebecca, heard that Esau was going to kill Jacob, so she sends him away on a dishonest. She's like, you know what? I don't want you to marry anybody around here. Why don't you go away? find a wife to save him from his brother so Jacob leaves home not knowing about when he would ever come back or how it would be because of the the tension between Esau and him so 
you may know the story. Seven years, uh, Jacob meets this cutie. She's like, woo she's cute. Actually, here's homework assignment in the middle of this. Like, read the entire story of Jacob. Just this week, just read it from birth to death. And you're like, this is a weird, I mean, this is perfect for Netflix. Because there is everything in here. I mean, the, the, the reason I bring this up is because Jacob, when he meets Rachel, he's like, woohoo, she's cute. And it says that he, uh, he greets her and he starts weeping. Like, you're the one I've always wanted. <sighs> anyway, <sighs> read the story. It's weird, the whole thing. Um, anyway, so he meets Rachel. He's like, woohoo, I, I want to marry her. And her dad, Laban, you may know the story, is like, okay, why don't you work for me for seven years and then you could marry my daughter. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? So Jacob works seven years, and he gets married, which is another weird story. And then all of a sudden, he wakes up, which I don't know how this happens. And it's not Rachel. It's her sister, her older sister. And Laban's like, oops, sorry. You have to marry the older one first. Jacob's like, oh. So then he's like, okay, well, what do I need to do? So he's like, another seven years. So another seven years pass, and he finally gets the, his, the woman of his dreams that he cried over. Anyway, read the whole story. It's crazy. So. That happened, that's 14 years. And then we know that Jacob stayed with Laban a little bit more. But the thing is, Jacob cheated Esau twice out of his birthright and his blessing. And then even though Jacob seems to get the short end of this deal with Laban, Jacob turns it around by conniving and embezzling sheep (laughs) to his own gain. And he ends up a a very wealthy and prosperous man because he cheated Laban. So neither one are good guys in the story. Laban's a, Laban's a cheat too, but they both, you know, they play each other's games well. Anyway, 20 years has passed. And then God shows up to Jacob and says, Jacob, go home. I'm sorry, what? I didn't, I didn't catch that. Go home to, you mean like to my wife, the cute one or the ugly one? It's like, go home to, to them? No, go home. You mean, like, go home to, to Laban and check in on him, see how he's doing? Because he's, like, no, go home. What do you mean home? Oh, that home. You know, it's funny, last, last night, congratulations on your extra hour of can't sleep, right? I love that meme going around. Things always happen in the night, right? That's when our anxiety fears hit us the most where we can conjure up in our mind at night all these terrible things that are going to happen that we know that are going to happen right we do it we can't sleep because we're so worried about something that we have in our mind conjured up how is this going to go it's going to be terrible you have to imagine jacob has the same thing go home to your brother you i only have one brother and he wants to kill me you want me to go home to him I'll be with you. How am I going to get out of this one? Jacob thought to himself. So Jacob devised a plan. First of all, he sent some scouts ahead to see what was going on. It says Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men. It's a lot. He still wants to kill me. He wants to take out me and my entire family. So here's what I'm going to do. Jacob, being the cheater, being the, the savvy one, you know, the one, how can I make this to my advantage? He decides to split up his possessions into groups. I'm sure he had the least favorite in the front and then the 
like his people near and dear to him in the back. And he says, okay, take these gifts to Esau. Say they're from, from our Lord Jacob. And then he sends the next group. So as a baby of the family, I know that, that kissing up works. Uh, so flattery will get you everywhere. And Jacob is trying to appease his brother by stuff. So he sends it ahead. But then the interesting thing about today, you're like, well, wait, you just read the story that we were supposed to talk about today. And I don't see anything about prayer. Jacob doesn't pray with God. He wrestles with God. That's kind of different, but kind of the same. There actually is a prayer of Jacob that I want to read for you. This is right before this wrestling match. This is actually in chapter 32. I will start uh, in verse 9. This is right before he's getting ready to meet his brother. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and to your relatives, and I will make you prosperous. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there. You see his prayer. God, help me. Save me. Even Jacob is not sure if his plan this time is going to get him out. He is facing that wall, that mountain, that crevice that like cannot be passed on his own. And he's unsure how it's going to happen. So his only hope is God. God, help me. You told me to go here. I can't seem to figure out this on my own. I don't know if this plan is going to work. Save me. Ever been there? You ever had all your hope gone? You've realized that nothing that you can do to dig yourself out of this hole that you're in is enough. You just need God to save you. Ever been there? And that's Jacob's. But the interesting thing is, you see the prayer that Jacob prayed. He says, oh God, God of who? You notice what he says? He says, God of my father and God of my grandfather, Abraham. You know what he doesn't say? My God. He doesn't say my God. He hasn't made that commitment yet. He's still trying to figure out on his mind. He's using God as kind of a fallback. Okay, I got this other plan, but right now I'm not ready to commit to this God thing because he hasn't saved me yet. So God, if you're there, if that promise is good, save me, please. So then is when he shows up and he wrestles with God. Now I want to clear a couple things up that you're probably thinking, and really, to be honest, it doesn't matter that much, but you're like, okay, who's the guy, right? Every one of you are thinking, who is this guy that he's wrestling with? Is it really God? Is it an angel? Is it maybe Jesus, God incarnate that they didn't really know anything about? How does, how does that work? And the point is, we've all been there and it doesn't really matter. It is a human person. It is, I, I don't believe that it is God himself because God made it very clear that you couldn't see his face. Even though Jacob says, I've seen the face of God. I think that's more of a metaphor than the truth because God made it pretty clear. You can't see me or you'll die. Okay. So number one, it really doesn't matter that much, but it is a human form God. Whether an angel being his messenger or Jesus, we don't know. We're never going to know. Lots of theories. So just want to get that out there. It doesn't really matter to the point of the story. 
And the second thing is don't think that Jacob won, okay? Another word that this could be used about prevail is endure. Like Jacob endured this. Um, like we all know, like I'm a, I'm a dad of three boys. So, you know, toddlers are like, hey, wanna, they start wrestling with you and they think you can take you. And you're like, oh, no, please stop. It hurts so bad. Give up. I give up, right? It's kind of like that. I mean, it's foolish to think that Jacob could actually beat God at anything. Nobody can beat God at anything. But have you ever watched a boxing match? Ever watched an MMA fight? Man, that bell goes off and those two, those two guys are ready, sorry, or girls, are ready to go at it. They come out full swinging. They come out with high energy. They come out, they start throwing punches, haymakers, left, rights, jabs, whatever. About the fourth or fifth round, you start to get tired. Like, it's like, right? Then further along, they just embrace. They are both so tired. They have spent so much energy that one is holding on to the other for dear life. My friends, that's what I think is going on this night. Jacob is in this struggle with God as a man. At, at first he starts out angry. At first he starts out fighting and throwing all the punches. But then he's left with nothing but to hold on. And then it says that the man, the, the other wrestler, touches his hip, makes him limp. But you notice one thing is Jacob does not let go. Why? Jacob understood that the only way out of this was by holding on to God. The only way. Limp or no limp. He was holding on for dear and from that moment on, Jacob's life did not get a whole heck of a lot easier. He made his own mistakes. His kids were worse than him, except for Joseph. He was a good guy. But most of them were bad, made some mistakes. Jacob walked around with a limp. So even though we pray to God for deliverance, and God may deliver us from whatever trial that we're in at this moment, but we may have some scars still. We may still walk with a limp of that tussle with the father why why does jacob have that limp to teach him a lesson every time he walks with that limp he is reminded of who's in control we have been we have been promised deliverance from god's only son we may never be delivered from whatever trial whatever struggle we've gotten ourselves into or we find ourselves in the midst of but we can be sure that we have been delivered for eternity. There's another struggle that happens. It's in a garden, a garden called Gethsemane. Jesus, God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, knew his job. He knew the plan. And yet the night before, he fell down. Tears of blood said, God, if there is any way around this, get me out of this. But not my will, but yours. God, if there's any way, if there's any way to avoid this cross, please. But it didn't happen. 
And the interesting thing, the fascinating thing to me, is you've probably heard the story of Doubting Thomas. You know, when Jesus shows up to the, in, the, in the house of the disciples, he does it twice. Don't call the guy Doubting Thomas, by the way. It's a different, different sermon, but don't call him that. So <laughs> Jesus shows up to the disciples, the 11 the first time. The very first thing he does is he shows them his hands. You still have scars. You ever like? I always thought I've always been told to believe that when I get to heaven, my body's going to be perfect. Scars are gone. You know, my dad lost his leg. My dad's would be whole. So I'm like, why does Jesus have the scars? To remind us of the limp. To remind us of the work that has already been done by Jesus. So when we hold on, when we fight with God. God is big enough to hear our complaints. Most of the Old Testament, the prayers, are prayers of lament. The Psalms, half of them, over half, are David crying out to God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself on the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? There's a whole book called Lamentations of people crying out to God. Habakkuk cries out to God. Cry out to him when you're in need. Cry for deliverance. Whether or not you got yourself in the mess or not, understand that there is only one way out, and that is holding on to the Father for dear life. The only way. And as we come to, to close, we need to one, learn one more important thing from Jesus that night in the garden. Not my will but your will be done. You see, Jacob was all about his will, what he wanted, what he wanted to cheat and fight for. But finally, Jacob understood that God was in control and submitted to his will, just like Jesus did that night. Not my will, but yours. Let's pray. Father, I, for one, am extremely grateful that you went through with the plan. That you gave yourself up on that cross so that we could have the deliverance that we need so much. That we can be sure that through the blood of Jesus and because of that empty tomb, we can have hope in a new day. We may walk around with a limp. but it's just it serves as a constant reminder of who is in control. Thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.